This is The Bible and Homosexuality. I'm your host, Elton Sherwin. We have had a surge of listeners who have found us on Twitter. If you have a Twitter account and you are in a place where it is safe to do so, please like or retweet several of my short promotional videos so others can find this podcast. It is so important that Christians who feel abandoned or betrayed by their church know that there are other Christians that do not believe the vitriol that they may have heard in some conservative churches. And so far, Twitter has proved the most effective platform for reaching new listeners. Search for Elton Sherwin and look for our distinctive cross on a rainbow background. Thank you. Today, Isaiah's Great Blessing. Isaiah's Great Blessing. Today is the first of four episodes where we look at one of the most important passages and greatest blessings in the Old Testament, Isaiah 56, verses 4 and 5. As is often the case, biblical prophecies can have multiple meanings depending upon one's circumstances. We will examine four different views of these verses. They are not competing views, but rather four overlapping, synergistic, and affirming views that build on each other. If this episode were a movie, it would get a PG rating because it concerns eunuchs. In this episode, the first of the four, we look at a more traditional view of these verses. Let's listen to today's scripture. From Isaiah, chapter 56, verses 4 and 5. For thus says the Lord, To the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose the things that please me, and hold fast my covenant, I will give in my house, and within my walls, a monument, and a name, better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name, that shall not be cut off. It is a unique blessing. It may be the only place in Scripture where God promises a group of individuals a blessing better than sons and daughters. Before we do a deep dive into Isaiah 56, let us take a moment to review some of the Scriptures we have already studied that affirm all believers regardless of their gender or sexual orientation. In episodes 6 and 7, we heard Jesus' affirming words on sexual minorities. We learned that, in ancient literature, eunuchs were commonly associated with same-sex attraction. And we learned that, in the ancient world, many eunuchs were not castrated, but rather were gay men. In those two episodes, we examined whether Jesus said 
Some are born gay. Then, in episode 9, we discussed the baptism of the Ethiopian eunuch. Janet Edmonds, one of my favorite Bible commentators, said, It is difficult to overstate the significance of this story about the Ethiopian eunuch to our modern quest for biblical insights into homosexuality. The Holy Spirit could have chosen anyone to be the first Gentile Christian, but the Holy Spirit chose an African sexual minority who showed faith. The Bible's unmistakable message here is one of inclusiveness and of God's love for all people, regardless of their sexual preferences. Then, in episode 8, we looked at one of the shortest, but most powerful, of the affirming verses in Scripture from the Apostle Paul in Galatians. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So, the next time someone says to you, God created them, male and female, and this means gay people can't be married, you can answer, There is neither male nor female, for we are all one in Christ Jesus. And, as we all know, Paul's epistles trump the Old Testament laws, as they did with circumcision. Memorize this verse. Hold it close to your heart, for it is the word of God spoken through the Apostle Paul. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. On to today's scripture from Isaiah chapter 56, verses 4 and 5. For thus says the Lord, to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose the things that please me, and hold fast my covenant, I will give in my house, and within my walls, a monument, and a name, better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name, that shall not be cut off. God promises the eunuch a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. The King James translation puts it a bit more poetically. Even unto them will I give in mine house, and within my walls, a place and a name better than of sons and of daughters. Most Bible commentators believe that this scripture is talking about the return of the Jews from Babylon to Jerusalem. In this series, I quote from several Bible commentaries. Many of the authors, their editors, and their publishers are not affirming. That is, they do not believe that sexual minorities should be married, ordained, or can have God-honoring sex. Many of the authors and their editors are now deceased, but I suspect several of the authors I quote do not agree with my conclusions and would object to how I use their words. But I use conservative Bible commentators for two reasons. I think their methodology of examining Scripture line by line and their belief that every line in Scripture is God-breathed is more in line with my methodology in these podcasts. Secondly, 
I believe God's affirming character shines through these commentaries even when their human authors do not intend it. So, with that in mind, this, in part, is how the Bridgeway Bible Commentary by Don Fleming explains these verses. All Bible commentaries are read by descript, not the original authors. When the Jews returned to Jerusalem, some Gentile converts returned with them. Among these were several eunuchs, possibly people who were previously connected with the palaces in Babylon and Persia. The law of Moses made it plain that eunuchs were to be excluded from the tabernacle worship. But in the New Jerusalem, all foreigners, eunuchs, or otherwise, who honor God and keep his law, should be allowed to worship in the temple along with godly Israelites. Providing further context, Fleming says, Love and obedience towards God, not physical or national characteristics, are the important things in God's sight. Fleming concludes, The temple is for the use of all people, not just Jews, because God's mercy is for all people. I agree with Fleming's conclusion. The temple is for the use of all people. Love and obedience towards God, not physical characteristics, are the important things in God's sight. In the New Jerusalem, all foreigners, eunuchs, or otherwise, who honor God and keep his law, should be allowed to worship in the temple. And Paul, as we know, has a fight on his hands five centuries later, when he tries to convince the church fathers that non-Jews and the uncircumcised, that everyone, should be welcomed into the church. Today, this seems self-evident. The temple is for the use of all people. It may seem obvious today, but 2,500 years ago, it was not. Leviticus severely restricted who could participate in worship. Leviticus 21, verses 18 to 20, describes some of those who may not worship in the temple. No man who has any defect may come near. No man who is blind or lame, disfigured or deformed. No man with a crippled foot or hand, or who is a hunchback or a dwarf, or who has any eye defect, or who has festering or running sores, or damaged testicles. No man who has any defect, including damaged testicles, may worship in the temple. So with this background, let's listen to what the Barnes Bible Commentary, 14 volumes published in the 1830s, says about Isaiah 56, verses 4 and 5. For thus saith the Lord unto the eunuchs, even the eunuchs who have hitherto been excluded from the privileges of the people of God, and who have been regarded as a separated and degraded people, shall be admitted to the same privileges as others. Wow! Isaiah is overturning a key piece of Levitical law that banned many believers from the temple and that banned them from fully participating in worship. Listen again to what Barnes says, commenting on Isaiah's words to eunuchs, who have hitherto been excluded from the privileges of the people of God, and who have been regarded as a separated and degraded people, 
shall be admitted to the same privileges as others. Still insightful so many years after it was written. Now, let's listen to the actual scripture again. Isaiah 56, 4 and 5. For thus says the Lord, to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose the things that please me, and hold fast my covenant. I will give in my house, and within my walls, a monument, and a name, better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name, that shall not be cut off. Today, we have reviewed a rather simple interpretation of these verses. We have ignored competing translations. We have ignored much historical context. And we have ignored some other key prophecies from Isaiah, all of which we will look at in upcoming episodes. But for those of you who attended Sunday schools that used felt boards to describe Bible scenes, we have today viewed the fourth grade felt board view of this scripture. But this simplified traditional view is still very powerful. I sometimes learn more in the fourth grade Sunday school class than I do from the adult sermon. The felt board somehow gets right to the essence of the story. And the essence of this story is that some sexual minorities, who have hitherto been excluded from the privileges of the people of God, and who have been regarded as a separated and degraded people, shall be admitted to the same privileges as others. Profound words. Those who have been regarded as separated and degraded people shall be admitted to the same privileges as others. Even the narrowest, most conservative interpretation of this scripture concedes that men with damaged or missing testicles should be admitted and granted the same privileges as all other believers. One can debate where in the LGBTQIA rainbow men with damaged or missing testicles are best described. But clearly, at least one color in the rainbow at least one sexual minority is profoundly blessed by this scripture. You may already suspect that there is more going on here than full citizenship in God's kingdom for men with missing or damaged testicles. And you may already suspect that there is more going on here than a blessing in God's kingdom better than sons and daughters for this one sexual minority. And there is. But even in the narrowest, most conservative interpretation of these verses, one senses that something important, something profound is happening here. And we will explore several more comprehensive meanings in upcoming episodes. But first, I've had an insight into Matthew 19. Not everyone can receive this saying, 
but only those to whom it is given. For there are some, who have been gay from birth, so knit together in their mother's wombs, and created in God's image. That is a modern, amplified translation of Jesus' words from Matthew 19. This will be the topic of our next episode. We will explore Jesus' great blessing to sexual and gender minorities. A lot more coming up. I'm Elton Sherwin. Thank you so much for joining us. If you have friends or relatives who angst over the clobber verses, or if you know young people who have left the church, please send them a link to this series.